So, uh, decided to finally give her my attention. Um, and I got to admit, I went into tonight having reservations about her. But I was actually quite surprised. Um, I felt the connection deepened. I feel enlightened. I feel I came out of it better than I went into it. Yeah, give it a mean. <laughs> but her, um, and I gotta tell you the best part. Oh, you are the best part. Having everything revealed, which is by the way what her acronym for her the artist is. Damn it, Gabby, Gabby. Um. But it was a great fucking movie. Her. It was a great movie. I gotta admit, the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix, the same guy that plays the fucking Joker. The movie about a guy falling in love with an operating system, an artificial person that's not real. It got to me. Not emotional, but goddamn. Pretty well. And you you know what? I would recommend you guys go see. It's on Netflix right now. And I'll be honest. I remember when the previews was the thing and all this shit. And they kind of got some shit for some things. But it was being promoted or whatever. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? A whole movie? I'm going to watch a whole movie. A guy talking to an operating system. But I got to tell you. This lady had more personality than any person at a call center. That talks to you from an operating standpoint. Like they made it where she had like a, a personality, spontaneity. Like I can understand like holy shit like. Damn I like I almost fell in love with her. Almost did. Well you know having Black Widow for the voice just certainly doesn't uh doesn't hurt. I doubt every uh OS system out there is going to sound like ScarJo. But um. Yeah, it's pretty fucking good. And I gotta say, I love her more than ever. Welcome to episode 139 of the Off and Be podcast. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Just posted 138 as I'm recording this. Trying to get ahead of the game. But yeah. Oh yeah, don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, and suck some titties before I forget I was sucking titties before I'm a man. Uh, don't slip in that knot. Which, by the way, speaking of garlic knots, well, places where you get garlic knots, what the fuck is with cutting your pasta? If you're a grown man that cuts your pasta, fuck you. And, look, I, I am not an anti-cut-your-pasta guy in particular to when you're a child. Here's what I know, though. Um, when I was a young pup, you know, I used to be like, Mom, can you cut my pasta? And one day, my dad had a bad day at the office. And, you know, sometimes you come home and you're just like, fuck it. All the shit that you yell slide, you're like, Whatever. If he wants to grow up and be a pussy, let him grow up and be a pussy. 
fine. But it was one of those days. He came home. He's like, not today. Had some pasta, some butter and cheese, whatever the fuck. And he saw my mom was about to cut it. And he's like, stop it. Stop it. Can't do this. I can't do it no more. And he's like, ah, Jesus, here we go again. But she didn't know what she was in for. It's like, I'm not having no son of mine get his pasta cut. Because you know why? If he's still getting his pasta cut now, guess what? He's going to be cutting his pasta when he's 15, when he's 20, when he's 30. What does that say? You can't twirl your own noodles. It's a little too thick for you. You can't go on a date as a semi-grown adult. Not even like a four, especially as a grown man where you have to start wearing vest and cologne and gelling your hair. But even before you get there, like the stage where you're wearing plaid flannels, where you think a collared shirt's just what gets it all done. Where you wear the same thing on your dates as you do your job interviews. And, uh... For some reason, I have a pretty high success rate on those job interviews. Just saying. Um, But. I would only imagine as the opposite sex. If you're looking across the table. And I was thinking about this. If I order some, I don't know, just some fettuccine. You know, typical fettuccine noodle. And and she sees me cutting my noodles. And this is a first date. Is that the first impression you want to send? Because, you know, the first date, like, someone's old. Like, you're observing every little thing. How someone puts the fork in their hand. Did they put the napkin on their lap? If that shit even matters to you. Do they, uh, are they, do they even, uh, ask the waiter politely something? Were they rude when they forgot a ranch jacket, ranch dressing for their chicken tenders? Why is a 24-grown-year-old woman ordering chicken tenders? I don't know. I don't ask questions. Let the girls get tender, because I'm too chicken to ask. Oh. Um, and she ordered fat-free ranch. That's when I knew it was never going to work out. Um, <laughs> uh, Jesus. Anyways. But, uh, <laughs> but imagine you're ordering fettuccine. And you're cutting it up. As a woman, is that a is that a man that you hope one day gets on his knees and asks you to drag down with you? I don't think so. You can't sit there and cut your fucking pasta. Like noodles are at most like what, seven, eight inches long? Like, you know, your girl is probably taking that one point or another in life. Obviously not you. You know, you never marry the guy that actually, you know, depth throats. That's been the thing, the depth throat. The fucking text. It's weird. I will say about the <laughs> the Johnny Depp Amber Heard, like the court case stuff. It doesn't even seem like you're watching a court case. It seems like a, uh, it seems more like a, like a theater Q&A. Because they were just having like, I saw this one clip where Johnny Depp is just talking for 20 minutes about his life growing up. I've never seen a court case where they're just like, hey, you know what? 
talk about yourself for 20 minutes. That simply doesn't happen. They just let this man put on a free comedy show where he's just sitting here making all these slight jokes. I got mad. I like his sense of humor. A lot of myself, you know, without the uh, without the heavy drug use. <laughs> They're just asking, did you... All, all the people, all of his friends are getting outed for doing drugs with him. They're like, so with this guy, you did do cocaine. You did do Xanax. You did do heroin. You did do this with him, right? He's like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. And he's like, now did you do mushrooms? And they're like, well, I don't know. Did hmm, I don't know if I did mushrooms with that guy. And it's just this ongoing. Now, he's winning the case, by the way. Not going to get too much into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard shit. But I just find it interesting. It doesn't even seem like you wouldn't even know it's really a court case. You would think like this is just a Q&A of, hey, let's make this shit funny and let's just talk some shit and let's get it all out there. Anyways, which by the way, I was also thinking about this. You know, the people always bitch about like political debates on TV always being like, Oh, they only get three minutes to speak about this, two minutes to speak about this. Like, the only reason why those platforms are even a thing anymore is because you guys keep wanting it to be a thing. And honestly, I think these political candidates for shit, they don't want more than two minutes to have to speak about something because they don't have more than two minutes to speak about something. Because if they had to actually speak in full conversation, 95% of these people, you realize how much of a fucking idiot they are. Because it would be easy solution. Go on one of the bigger podcast platforms, wherever that may be, and you could debate your candidate. And you guys could talk for four hours about whatever the fuck. But no. Too much common sense there. But anyways. Um, but yeah. Just a angel hair too long on that pasta. Anyway, Jesus, Clint. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, no. Cutting the pasta. I don't know what you do about it. Like, I like I don't judge someone. I, I'm not going to sit here and demasculate a man for cutting his pasta. But I do think it, it's one of those things where it's like, I think they store it in their head for later. Like, hmm, that's that was interesting. And it's like, it, it would be like if, you know, she goes through... Your closet, your drawers. She's like, hmm, this uh, butt plug with a tail on it. This is interesting. And then, you know, four months later, she finds a video online of it being in use. And let's just say it wasn't something that you bought used. Which I don't know if you could buy those things used. Not my thing. But I don't think you could buy those type of toys used at all. I think uh, cleanliness would be a big issue. Um... <laughs> I don't think that's something that would be in the Spencer's clearing section by the uh, polka data boob. A little bit of boob. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there's also been this Mickey Mouse Disney situation where apparently is this big controversy that the governor of Florida is like, hey, you can't just govern quote unquote yourself. You actually have to be governed by the government. And this may be one of the few times where I'm like, you know what? The government incorporating in a business is probably a good thing. The fact that is 
just it's this thing that's just now starting to become the light like hey disney basically like has it it's basically its own governing body it's like its own private entity it's almost like its own little galapago island but within this vicinity and the reason why they were probably able to govern themselves and get away is because obviously the perception the image and everything it's mostly positive it's kid friendly so it's like oh weird shit doesn't happen here even though if you look at history of walt disney you can see a lot of shit that's probably not something that would be saving mr banks um but and they probably provide a lot of fucking revenue and fucking money for florida and where it's you know taking place but It is one of those things where it's like, huh. Yeah, you know what? Maybe there should be some type of government inclusion to make sure like, hey, what are we running here? Because from what I read, I could be wrong, but from what I read is that if Disney wanted to, if if the Disney park wanted to, um exclude religion if they want to exclude if they want to provide discriminate because they could have discriminatory entrance policies where they don't have to let you in for something it could be blatant it could be religious it could be you know racial or whatever the hell no explanation and it would not be discriminatory they could not be sued or anything like, basically, no matter what, you basically could not really sue Disney as a public entity. It would have to be literally a civil case. Except, as a civil person, they got billions and trillions, and you got tens of thousands, maybe, if you're killing it out here. That's a, I know that sounds dumbo. <laughs> ah, Jesus Christ. That's not a Cinderella story you want. Because if the glass slips off the foot, they are not liable. <laughs> By the way, for the audio, what you just heard was bang, wild, and watermelon. Um, but yeah, it is a... I find, I find it fascinating... That it took this long for people to be like, hey, that's kind of weird. And, you know, I I guess my way of looking at it is, what, it's kind of a deeper, if you want to get a little introspective, I've been getting a little too introspective, but this is the Off and Beat podcast where I go off and beat to my own beat that I was off in the first place. Wow. Talk about reverse Uh, play. I don't know what it's called. A little tired, but a little good. A little good. Um, And. Shit, what was I talking about? Jesus, dementia. Uh, In case I forgot the dementia. (laughs) Ah, Jesus. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Disney. And by the way, 
and oh, also, I think one of the things that the reason why I think a lot of this stuff has come out of light because Disney uh, employees were starting to come out and be like, hey, you know what? This I, and I think I kind of covered a little bit on recent pod. Disney employees were saying like, hey, this is actually not the greatest environment, which I would be like, hey, if you signed up to work at Disney and you're dressing up as a Disney character... I don't expect your day to go that great. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I hope it goes as well as it can. I hope the kids are like, oh my God, look, it's Captain Jack Sparrow. Which I'm pretty sure they don't have many representations of Captain Jack Sparrow these days for obvious reasons. Um, Even though now he's kind of ironically a national treasure. Uh, Jesus, treasure, Pirates, Caribbean. Funny how it all comes together, Nick Cage. Because uh, someone's going to be a con in this era of grievances. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> that one was actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> wow. Funny how it all comes together. Like a table of yarn. Once you sew together. Um, But yeah, no, I'd, it's like, yeah, the workplace environment isn't as great as you would think it would be, which simply anything that portrays any time it's an over-the-top image of one way, I'm always going to expect it the other way, because you wouldn't have to pay, you wouldn't have to go put out this crazy positive or crazy ex- extraordinary image if you just were that. People would be like, hey, you come here, it's a great time. You don't have to tell people, it's a great time, all right? Like, if you put on your flyer, like, if you're having a house party, and you put on your flyer and say, this is going to be Project X style, you know what I'm going to assume? It's probably not. It's probably not going to be anywhere close to it, because I know your budget. You can't afford helicopters. You can't afford multi-billion dollar pools, whatever the fuck the movie was. You know, you get the gist. Like, it's not happening. That shit's not happening. Um, but yeah, no, anyways. I don't know where I was going with that. Again, a little rusty. Kind of like the rust belt. Um, yeah, look. And I think it kind of spiraled like, hmm, well, how are these, how is this able to happen in a workplace and all this shit? I was like, I think it's pretty obvious how these things can happen in a workplace. You're at fucking Disneyland. It's hot as fuck outside. Um, yeah. Bomb Disney World. Because it is the bomb. Uh, you know, I also find interesting, um, you know, one of the most profitable businesses, quote unquote, it's technically an entrepreneurship, by the way, in case you didn't know. If you're a pastor of a mega church, and I know I don't want this to become the shitting on religion pod. I'm shitting on people who capitalize on very um, sensitive of emotion type of shit. On very, on very captivating, very polarizing things such as religion. And capitalize it and rely on people's vulnerabilities of hope and vulnerabilities of belief. For their own capitalization on crazy levels. Like when you talk about the Kenneth Copelands. 
the obvious Joe Olstein, which I actually think Olstein isn't Olstein. Ovaltine. I actually think Osteen is not even like the worst examples of this shit, but he's the most like probably public example being the fact that he pays for pay programming. He has, he gets a lot of coverage like local and national for especially the, during the hurricanes and, or the hurricanes and shit, the floods in Texas and he wouldn't open it up. And then there was a random like janitor who cleaned out shit and found like 500k just sitting in the bathroom walls. And they're probably like, hey, how about you just keep this one and <clears throat> keep quiet. But no, he wanted to do the right thing and he fucked up his bag. But you know what? And guess what I did? Absolutely fucking nothing. Um... But yeah, no, these, and I think even, honestly, to lesser degrees, really any type of inspirational speaker that doesn't attach themselves to a quote-unquote religion, but they're just more of a motivational speaker where they speak a lot of isms, mannerisms, they speak a lot of uh, life inspiration type of shit. T.D. Jakes, for example, I think uh, Tony Robbins you know, calls them, you know, the dudes are like, I'm not a guru, I'm not this, and they just curse a lot, like, Gary V is like a <clears throat> social media, like Tony Robbins, when you really break down on what he's doing, he does a lot of cursing, he's like, I'm just like you, I'm gonna speak like if we were to me on the street, and I'm, and I'm telling a homeless person, you gotta get off your ass, and this is like, hey, you hiring, he's like, I can't help you, but the world will help you, it's like, well, that didn't help me right now. Um, and you see, the, and by the way, I'm not saying Gary Vee's even that. He actually has like a wine business, all this shit. But he has definitely used social media to enhance a lot of things about himself, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's just, you know. It's just kind of, quote, unquote, building your brand, even though I hate people. I hate when people's whole focus is just building brand, but it's obviously a part of something. You know, I'm the fucking idiot that doesn't advertise my shit, which is why it's shit. Um, and, but when you get these pastors that are making, that have literally hundreds of million dollars in net worth, and I'm not saying you should do it for free. I'm not even saying you shouldn't live a more than great life for spreading because you know what if you're impacting that many lives and making so many people change their lives for the better which i would like to know how they would able to keep up with the data of hey when you came to us you were this and when you left and five years later we kept track and because of us you make 30 percent more than you did before you're happily married you have this you're a better man you're this and that you know you have direction i don't know how they quantify that because I don't think it's like, hey, if you just keep coming to our church, we can say you keep coming back. Which I feel like if you have to go and do something for 50 plus years straight to continue feeling inspiration about something, maybe you're not naturally inspired. If you're if you're an alcoholic and you have to go to A meetings for 50 plus years to remind yourself to, hey, this shit ruins my life. I think... You just want to go. I feel like you just want this built-in thing. Just so you have something to do. Just so you have a built-in problem. I don't know. 
Now I say it a lot. I kind of sound like a dickhead when I say it like that. But hey, truth hurts. Um, I think you do. I think if you do have a problem for like fifty plus years of your life consecutively, or even time to time, and I get it, I'll probably have some type of issue for a long period of time if I make it that long. And chances are, like at some point, I think I, I do think there are some things where people actually kind of like having that built-in quote-unquote problem that everyone knows about like oh he's an alcoholic or oh she's you know a bad mother no <laughs> that's not a <laughs> no but like if someone has drug issues someone has some type of uh, anger issues type of shit and there's certain things you're always going to deal with right but if after 50 years you haven't bettered or manage it or have a good grasp and you still have to go to some type of treatment or meetings for some shit. It's like, you know what? At some point along the line, you just chose that this was going to be this built-in problem with me. And I haven't really done everything I could to make it as best as possible. Alright? And that's okay. I'm not a judgmental guy. Even though I just made a judgmental statement, I'm not a judgmental guy. Alright? Um, but yeah, no, anyways, back to these pastors. You know, my thing, I'm not talking about the pastors you go at everyday church that actually make direct impact in people's lives. And actually, even if it doesn't change for, even if it doesn't impact someone a month from the moment they speak it, even if it just, it makes someone feel more at ease that day. You know what? That's something that, that, that's a, that's this, whatever. But the arrogance of these dudes that have these national programs, these seminars and all this shit about Jesus and all this shit. Isn't it weird how people that make the most money off of something that they literally did not write a single fucking word of it? I think that's my main problem is that it's one thing if you write something. And even if you're spreading, you know, bullshit, or if you're just spreading whatever, at least you wrote the shit. At least you can take pride in the faults of it and the strengths of whatever you have created, whatever that may be. But you have such an autonomous ego and arrogance about something that you have no business having an ego or arrogance about You did not contribute a single foundation, a single lesson, a single story, a single character, a single fucking psalm, a single song, a single, you raise me up, not a single anything in the Lord and Savior. And such arrogance that tell people to fuck off. Essentially. And you literally made hundreds of millions and millions. And in some of these cases, billions. Off of something they literally had nothing to do with the creation. Not even like, hey, it's not even like an Elon Musk and Tesla thing. Like, hey, 
they had this great idea, but I made it come to life. It's like, no, Jesus and God made everything come to life already. Literally. <laughs> they made the story. that they, they, they made all this shit possible. And you're like, let me tell you. And put my interpretation. And it's priceless, baby. I think that's my, like, deeper issue with... I've, not, the, like, the real... Not with the real people that actually give a shit, that actually believe in it. It's it's with these pick. It's with these capitalist pick artists that have made religion, and they focus on everything about it. That's not even about it. They focus on. They literally have made into a business when religion is not supposed to be a business. And I'm not saying they haven't done good with their money. I'm pretty sure they've made charities. They've donated the quote-unquote charities, whatever the hell. But it's just so, it's so capitalizing on emotion. To me, it's no different than when you see, like, if if you see a girl getting out of a very abusive, physical abusive relationship or it could be person it could be a johnny depp for that matter abuse don't discriminate learned that recently it's like well that's more the exception it's like well it's a it's it's pretty exceptional all right (laughs) it's exceptionally interesting um well it's like typically the guy just you know beats the woman and goes about his day a woman, you know, in this case, her, like, it, it's it's manipulation of all different types. Whew, that shit is deep. But, you know, it's, it, it'd be the equivalent of someone getting out of a physical and emotionally abusive relationship. And you know they're in the most vulnerable state of their mind. And the most vulnerable of hope. Just looking for hope of someone or something to just bring them peace and levity and clarity of man. Like you just you just want someone to not kick you, literally, <laughs> to not kick you down, to not beat you down, you know, literally and figuratively. Not trying to make fun of abuse here, but you know, you, but you know, um, <laughs> you know, um. You know, if you haven't been abused, was it really love? Um, <laughs> but n- be like taking advantage of someone who you know is coming out of something so traumatic and all that shit. And then you put on this and you're like, oh, all I have to do is just be this over the top, considerate, nice person even though I'm typically not even though it's not real but I know if I just do this I go I go in her and make and make this person succeed to everything I'm selling to everything that hey I'm different and you know you're not any different maybe you don't beat the fuck out of women but you're not really that different you're gonna get it and go and but you're taking advantage of someone at probably one of the lowest moments of their life and typically when people seek extreme solutions or extreme guidance or direction, it's when they are very pivotal and lower moments of their life. 
It's like it's like a line grab. It's like do 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 do. Fire religion. Pachoom to the moon, baby. Um. And to me, I don't think religion is that much. I I think a lot of these. I think a lot of uh, people that preach religion and first instinct as opposed to on social media or is the you know make a big profit off a book and all this shit and it becomes a big entrepreneurship company that's when you get the Carl Lentz of Hillsong who is on all that oh I'm I was Bieber's guru I was Bieber's you notice how he didn't call him his pastor he called him like his uh, life coach guru because it wasn't really about the religion per se regardless of the purpose which, by the way, if his life guru, quote-unquote, created the Purpose album, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Do what you gotta do to get that album. Love yourself. Uh, uh, no pressure. Uh, Jesus, I can keep going with this. Uh, Clint, what do you mean? Uh, Jesus, okay, stop, stop. Uh, sorry. Damn it, I did it again. I did it again. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Okay. Whew. All right. Back to the point. But no, it, it's um purpose. By the way, one of the most underrated albums of the past decade. And I'm. I mean, it got its credit. Don't give a word. But like, that was like holy shit. I like Bieber. Um, the Biebs, Bieb. Um, and guess who created Bieber? God. <laughs> Not you, Osteen. Not you, Kenneth Copeland. You didn't create Bieber. Alright? So fucking relax. Alright? But no, man, the, these 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 capitalist pastors, man, they, they are something else. They all they all get these weird ass tans. They all got these super teeth. They all got this tight Botox skin. They all look like they do P ninety X. They look like they do P ninety X or they look like they've peed. 90 times in their fucking outfit and it just blew up and they probably smell like it too all right and guess what god created that not them all right you know if i were to do a world tour if i were to have a seminar once a week you know let's take and let me just put it like this in layman's term i have a seminar once a week 10,000 people come to see me i'm like thank you that's a lot of fucking money by the way who charges to preach God? Not donation. Who charges an entrance fee like it's a fucking club? But okay, whatever. But, um, imagine once a week, I'm just like, hey guys, come and listen to what I have to say. And for once a week, I just did a live podcast. We'll just keep it. I do a live podcast of my thoughts. My, the way I think. But. Instead of just doing my podcast. Guess what I do. I read a transcript. Of. Someone else's podcast. And just recreate their podcast. But. I convey the message to a. Audience. Wouldn't that seem like, hmm, you're charging us to tell us something that we already know? 
but you're supposed to be the middle voice of something bigger. So you're a thief. Is the definition of appropriating, is the definition of thievery, even though everyone knows he didn't write, these people didn't write it, it is just their over-the-top evangelical interpretation, and they're making a shitload of fucking money from it, and we just let it happen. I don't know what's worse, the fact that we just let certain things happen, or the fact that a lot of people actually go to these people for the same guidance, they can walk five, that they can go within five miles from where they live and sit inside a church for an hour, 15 minutes a week and get the same shit and at least have a personal connection. Those mega services it is just some guy. He always has a weird accent. Like, like these dudes create, they just have this accent. They're like, and the Lord may, well, that's a little, that's a little too, dude. It's like, now the Lord may tell you that today's not your day. But a week from now, the Lord will say, why can't today be your day? Because see, Jesus, because see, Jesus only wondered what you could not cause. He never wondered what you cause if it was good to wonder. And you see these mixed words around. Add a little Texas, a little Georgia, a little Florida, <laughs> a little Louisiana, Texas City. Um, <laughs> it's going down. I moved out of state doing left. She's seeking forgiveness. And Joel Steen told me I don't need forgiveness. Because if you go to church on the wrong day, you go to church one day, it's all about forgiveness. And then you go the next day, it's about moving on. Do I forgive or do I move on? Really, your life determinations depend on, yeah, well, we'll teach this sermon today. This one, then this one week. It's pretty random. Because how many times are you going to repeat? You get you got to mix it up for the audience. You know? There's only so much in the book um, or the testaments or the studies but look all i'm saying is these guys and i say guys because i'll be honest i've never seen a single mega big woman's pastor nancy grace but she's not or is it Susie orman Nah, she's a financial woman which honestly a lot of these dudes you notice how also isn't it pretty funny how with these guys books the olsteins the T.D. Jakes, these guys are pastors as well. You notice how they also have books about fucking money? Of how to build wealth? Like, go to any Barnes & Nobles. Go to any fucking bookstore. Go online. They all have a good amount. They all, they all have just as many books that they probably didn't even singly wrote. Now, those books, they should go and teach sermon. Because at least they're teaching something that they wrote. And they're making money off something they wrote. Imagine... If someone went to a sermon and just charged you to tell you about lessons in the Harry Potter books. The one that probably the most read book in fucking history behind the Bible. And you can find life lessons in Harry Potter. Imagine if my screenplays, I just started reading them out loud and started teaching you my lessons. 
And it made a shitload of fucking money from it. At least it's mine. I don't know, man. Uh, Jesus Christ. Literally. Um... I'm pro-religion. And it's probably probably one of my hesitancies when it's hard for me to like really compartmentalize. And because the thing is, we kind of live in a society where everyone wants to capitalize on something. It's really like, you know, if you're, if you're here, I keep on going, a past, being a pastor is really like sampling a song in hip hop. Now think about it. Because you're just making something sound cooler. You're just like remixing something to a new take that you got. Ooh, look at the pastor. He's got a fire. He's got a fire uh, quote that he dipped into this thing about, you know, fucking uh, the Corinthians and Noah and, you know, Jesus fucking, you know, Mary. Oh, Mary had a little lamb skin. Uh, Jesus. And so did Joseph. Uh, Joseph the play, one of the most underrated musical things ever, but just kind of disappeared, but it's cool. Those things are never being replayed for, it's always West Side Story. Like, no one gives a fuck about West Side Story. I've never seen fucking West Side Story. One thing I remember about West Side Story, like, back in the day in school, is that the cover was just a book of, it was just a skyscraper of, like, 18 floors through mirrors. Had no fucking clue what it meant. We didn't really read it. Could just probably watch the whole movie, but it's cool, you know. West Side Story, Lin Manuel Miranda made it, so it must be like winning Tonys and all this shit. I mean, it looked all right, you know. I didn't see it, but you know, some people say the music was cool. Can't be worse than the newest than the most recent recreation of Cats. I'll give it that. I mean, Jesus, that was a cat in the krill in the shell of a spoon. Cause boy, uh. They just need to do the dishes. Um, and I don't mean kitties licking the dish. Oh, Jesus. But, yeah, it was, um, but, yeah, it's like sampling a song. Like, by the way, like, Jack Harlow's First Class, where he just samples uh, Glamorous by Fergie, you know, before people found out she couldn't sing. Um, <laughs> oh, because Glamorous, ironically, used to kind of be like a national anthem, you know? The Black Eyed Peas used to have hits that were like the national anthem. People hurting, people crying. And then she sang and people were really crying <laughs> of laughter. Especially Steph Curry and Draymond. Hey, they're the ones that made the faces to make the meme, not me. Um, but yeah, Jack Harlow did a first class sample, for example. He did a sample, for example. It's like, it's like if you're uh, reading a template... Of how to cite sources. It'll be like sample. Example. Hashtag. Numbers. This. Date. It's like. You know what? I'm just going to use the convert source cited. I know it's not going to be 100% correct. I know they're going to know. My teacher's going to know and take 5 points off out of the 25. Which is kind of dumb. Of her fucking paper. 25% of my grade. Is making sure. That I put the correct fucking date. Of when I looked up. A project that was a two-month-long project. I'm sorry I didn't know if I looked it up on October 4th or November 18th, two days before it was due. Does it really fucking matter? Just let me put the websites 
you can look at the website, click it, and all this extra date shit is just whatever. Alright? But whatever. Um sort your sizes. Or cite your sources. Yeah, fuck off. But yeah. You know, sampling in hip hop, to me, it's always been a. I've always had a weird thing about it. like most samples are like fucking awesome, right? But it's a weird thing we talk about music and we, we talk about originality and all this shit and the importance of making your own music and shit. But then we just like samples is one of those things, just like, ah, it's allowed. Now, I understand there's a business behind it where you have to ask the artist or the label or the company for permission. Then you have to pay out whatever to them because everyone knows what it sounds like. Because you have a more discreet version where people don't want to pay, but you can tell they use some shit. Hence, the Ed Sheeran shit. And that's why all that shit. The Robin Thick Blurred Lines using old, what was it, Marvin Gaye stuff. And, you know, that's all happened. But when it's blatant, like hip-hop, and it's done the right way, direct loyalties and all that shit. You know, it's still a weird thing because it really is kind of like a pastor just preaching the gospel. Samples in hip-hop is just like using the sample of the older version of the song is the Bible, and then the lyrics and verses and the stuff they add themselves while still using the chorus as the mainstay of G. L A M. That's really like this is John three sixteen. This is this song, and then I can see the whole city from the balcony. That's when you start saying, "And these bitches just want you for this." It's like I hope God, I hope the pastor use, but that that would be when you start inserting modern things into your into your sermon. So when you're you know, preaching to the choir, preaching to the people. It, you know, it it kind of keeps people engaged. Like, oh, this isn't just referring to, you know, when rape was a thing or when incest was necessary for shit to keep going. Or, you know, when shit was flooding unexplainably. Um, I felt like there's a story, I just don't know it because I never read the Bible. Isn't it funny? I've talked about the Bible for 30 plus minutes. Never really read it. I've tried. Difficult read. Oh, why don't you get the translated version? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, it's like trying to translate me from Google. It's like, translate Clint's mindset. It's like, good luck with that one. Um, that's what this uh, dying podcast is for. It's not dying. It's a, uh, it's just going through a little dip, dip in the radar. Um, but yeah, don't counter my UAV, baby. Oh, baby. It's, uh, yeah, sampling. It's a weird thing, but I like it. Like, this, like, you know how, you know how bad you would have to be as a producer or just, like, an artist to really make a sample sound bad? I don't mean, like, you, you can make a shitty remix, like, in the lyrics and shit, but to actually make a remix of, like, a 2001 R&B song by Tamia or Tania featuring Fabulous... I'm so into you. If you were to incorporate that into a rap and you have a decent producer to put shit together, it's not going to come out trash. Like, you, it would be so hard because people are always going to rely on the nostalgia. 
kind of like the Bible. Rely on the past, rely on nostalgia, where the, ooh, I remember this, ooh, and then they sped it up, or they added a little this type of drums, they added a little bit of this, ooh, you see that thing they added, they had, and then some cool lyrics, and if you just have a decent artist who's not a piece of shit, it's gonna work, that's why it's like a cheat code, if you do a sample and it sucks, you suck, it is a cheat code, it will work, R&B convert to hip-hop will always work. All right, but yeah, but Jesus converting to these Nobel pastors who, you know, just uh try to make it more. And the matter is what it is. Um. Uh. Hmm, no, hold on, a story just popped up on my phone, let me see what it's about, I may, I may do a live reaction, look at this, it may be the first live reaction in podcasting history, what do you know, do, 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 let's see, See what we got here. Oh. Oh, yeah, I already heard about that. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I don't know. I've been trying out this new uh, spray-on deodorant I found. It basically feels like it basically just feels like a cologne fragrance, but um, I don't know because I remember back in the day, you know, Axe and Tag, which I know are still companies, but like back in days, like middle school, I would abuse that shit. I'm not gonna lie to you. I wouldn't, sh- like, I would be one of those guys, probably not shower for a week, you know, if I wasn't active and shit, like, hey, it's like, I just pull, like, when you first start getting lockers, I remember I had a locker next to this girl named Jerrica, she was always pretty nice, she had a little bit of a, she had a little bit of a, as the kids say it, um, spunk, she had a little bit of an at, attitude in a nice way, you know, it kind of toughened me up. But she was always nice, but, you know, she's very straight. So in between in between classes, like, sometimes I would go to my locker and stuff. I remember her last name, too, by the way. But, you know, I respect her privacy. Because um, you got a girl, and boy, um, she gave me some guidance, all right. And the guidance was stop spraying so much fucking axe and tag on your fucking chest and neck. You know... She's like, you're a sweaty boy. All right, let's just get out of the way. I remember one day I came back. She's like, she's like, all right, I got to say something. And I don't mean to be rude. And anytime someone says, I don't mean to be rude, they're about to be pretty damn rude to you. But sometimes you need to be rude to. You need to be rude into. All right, it's okay. Why are you going to be so rude? Because you smell like ass, boy. That's why. 
And you know what? She was the first girl to ever tell me I smell like ass. Now, it's not like when she told me that. It's not like the next day I, like, changed everything. Like, no, nah, it still took another two or three years for me to get the message. Um, but I remember it. And that's why I was like, damn. Someone tried to help the boy, but the boy don't listen. Or didn't listen. I'm more a listener now. More of a listener than talker. Just not when I'm in my bed by myself. Because I make all the noise. Because no one's here to make it happen themselves. Um, and... I open, I like, I remember open locker. I come back from gym, you know, play a little ball. And she's like, I gotta say, you, you, you gotta stop spraying that shit on you. I, I know all you boys think it's cool. And then it just kind of became this lecture. It's like, I know all, all you boys think we, us girls like that shit. We don't. And I'm like. Alright, maybe you don't, and maybe for the most, you just don't like the way it's being applied. But, the commercials don't lie. The second the guy sprays it, it's a pussy, it's a, it's a, it's a pussy magnet. And, granted, we were all like, you know, tweens at the time, puberty. So maybe your pube knows, I actually think it would actually work for an older lady. It's just for young girls, ironically, it doesn't do much of anything. Because, I look, I, I don't know the girl's body. But I'm assuming, like, you know, you're going through changing shit. Maybe your smell, your taste buds start changing. I think it's more for the older ladies. I think if I was, like, 14 years old and, I don't know, I walked into fucking, um, you know, a big lot, right? And I went, and I went around, you know, sitting on couches... I, obviously not gonna buy and you know there's some lady and there's an old lady over there walking around looking for a vase or some shit it's like she probably smell and be like oh this boy's properly raised he didn't leave the house smelling musky he left the house smelling like axe <laughs> air force or whatever the fucking i forgot i forgot the fucking Whatever the blue one is, whatever the basic one is, Fresh Power, I don't fucking know. They, they used to have, like, weird sexy names behind it, like, ooh, Blue Cobalt. They basically have the names, like, Gum, like, Five Gum, Blue Cobalt. Cobalt. <laughs> um, or Spearmint, Colossal, um, Golden Shower. Okay, that's a different one. Um... <laughs> But, and I was like, you know, maybe. And I'm not going to lie, I felt a little like, oh. You, you know the film where, you're like, you're in, like, a sunken mood after someone tells you some shit? And uh, I remember the next period, I couldn't even focus the class. I just said, like, well, I'm going to smell like this for the rest of the day. I already applied it on. So, these hallways are going to smell. And I just remember, you know... That was one of those things where I was like, man. And, you know, ever since those days, I have not really put on a spray fragrance ever since. I think maybe a couple times I've wore cologne where I borrowed, like, my dad's Nautica cologne and dabbed a little on the neck, you know, for the ladies at the theater. Um, Because I am a dream theater. I caused panic attacks. <laughs> that was so bad. 
Um, <laughs> you basically have to play guitar here to get that reference. Or know the band, but no one knows the fucking band outside of Guitar Hero. But, um, yeah. <laughs> that was so bad. That was a terrible pun. But it's so funny. So funny. Um, <laughs> but no. And, you know, the spray shit, like, ever since I, I remember that girl Jerrica telling me this. And I'm like, mm. ever since then, the less I do, the better. I just shower, deodorant, put deodorant in a few spots, call it a day. I don't, I don't buy sprays. Only recently do I have this spray deodorant thing that I've been dabbing on the neck a little bit. And it's like, all right, not too much, but I'm still mindful to not do too much. And I don't even know how to, I know how to kind of properly put on cologne, but I don't really know like the technical way. It's like, all right, put a little on the neck, a little on the chest. Maybe a little on the back shoulders, but very little amount. Just enough to... But I have terrible smell because I get shit in my toilet really bad. And it just smells like a, eh, just a little queef fart. When I know when, if someone walks outside the door, it's like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. What is wrong with you? Because it's like, we, we, it's weird how we're the closest to us, like our bodies. But we have the very... Our sensory smell for ourselves is less than anyone else's. And it's real, like, you know, again, this is like making an outside-the-world connection. It's like sometimes you're too close to your own shit. Like, you are literally too close for your own self-evaluation of yourself. You're too close to a problem, and that's why sometimes you need an outside opinion. Because sometimes you're too close to something to truly objectively look something for what it is. Like, if you're having, that's why people always, and I used to always kind of be against this. I used to get annoyed. It's like, you know what? Figure out the problem yourself. If you have problems with someone, figure it out yourself. Don't be asking uh, 20 people around you, not ask the person who is directly making you feel or you're making directly feel. Like, don't ask 20 other people for advice, some shit. You just go with your gut. And she could tear it out. Um, <laughs> and, but look, I, I, I also under, like, I've kind of, one of I kind of understands, like, you know what, sometimes part of figuring out yourself is getting guidance. You got it, girl. And sometimes it's getting objective advice. Sometimes it's best to not even get it from a very close friend or to get it from someone you really know. Sometimes. You, you need to kind of get it from someone that's not a complete stranger, but someone that actually doesn't really have incentive if whatever you're asking advice for, if it works out or it doesn't. Because, God, there's nothing better than when a complete stranger comes and asks me, like, hey, you know, what is, you, you know, what would you, what would be your advice? Like, would you, uh, would you, do you think it's best? To buy a house or rent. And I'll just be like. Hmm. Well. Because you're always just going to give what has worked for you. And then you feel like you actually know what the fuck you're talking about. I was like well let me tell you something about buying. Here's what I know. Everyone I know that's bought a house. Or has bought something of such significance price threshold. Not a single one of them that I know. 
that's in my age range that has made those life decisions, not a single one has looked better. They all have gained a considerable amount of bad weight really quickly. They all are pretty much divorced of some sort. And even if they're not, they might as well be. Uh, They are all miserable fucks. So I don't know anything about financially if it's actually better economically. I do know when you make a long-term commitment, um, you're probably going to stay in that area for a long-term commitment. And that's a very big life decision to make at such a young age if you want to live in one area, right? That area specifically. And renting, as much as it sucks to basically feel like you're throwing away money, there's a lot more flexibility to a year-by-year thing where I can start a new life, I can go do this, do that. You don't feel ingrained into a place. And you don't feel like, you know, if you wanted to quit a job and, you know, in a month your lease is up and it's all on you and you get to go do what you want, you have money to go travel, then you can do that. But then if you're paying a place and all this shit, like, that responsibility doesn't stop. There's no refinancing. You can't just refinance just because, like, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about taking a two-year sabbatical to Syria. You think we could put, you know, a hold? Can we, can we hold the payments on the mortgage? Oh, well, since you asked so politely at Rock, at Rocket Mortgage, we will help you out. Because that's what we care about. Saving you money. Um, no. Nah. Yeah, typically, life, life advice. The life advice section. Um... Don't, nothing, you know, nothing, all I'll say is observe everyone that has bought a house under the age of 30, that wasn't a crazy exception of making just extraordinary amount of stupid money, just someone that makes a really good living and they bought a house and just cause they just like, eh. I want you to look at them. Because there's not many I know that was like... There's not many that I know that bought a house three years ago when they were around my age that still live in that house, that aren't divorced, that um, look relatively healthily the same. Because that stress is different. It's a different type of... Stress when you don't pay that shit. It's a different type of... Because the long-term effects of you not paying your shit on that is much more harmful than if you just miss rent or you're short on rent one month. It's a whole different animal. Getting kicked out of apartment complex is a whole lot different than kicked out of your house. Because you can always find a way to convince an apartment complex. Like, come on. Give me six months. I'll pay it a little bit higher. I'll prove to you I can pay this shit. Good luck buying another house when you had 25 years left on the house. $180,000. Good luck. 
and your credit score is in the tank. Good luck. And people are just never really the same after that. that that's the honest truth about that shit. It, it, there's not many success stories of buying a house under the age of 30. Unless you're making stupid amount of celebrity or business money field type of shit. Where you know the ins and outs type of shit. When you're just someone who wants to buy a house because it's cool. Because you're thinking about all these circumstances. Meh. Don't do it. It, you know. To me, you shouldn't really want to buy a house. Unless you have like a family. Unless like until you get even like 32 plus. And even if you don't have kids or family, then that's when it's like, all right, you know what? I I, I want to start getting ahead of this. Like, imagine buying a house at 23, making 68000 a year. Pretty good living. But not one where you're like, fuck it, just buy a house. I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. I think I'm going to wrap this shitty pot up. Not one of the greatest episodes of all time, but you know what's always the greatest? Sucking some titties. That was episode 139 of the Off and Beat podcast. I'm going to start pumping these out multiple. I've only been popping out two a week for about a couple weeks. Imagine if you just pop out a couple babies a week. What if, what if it didn't take nine months for pregnancy? Damn it. Why do I wait for the good topics? What if it didn't take a couple months? What if it didn't take nine months to actually, like, conceptualize birth and all that shit? You know, abortions would be a lot. Abortions would be a lot harder to get. Uh, what if it was just, like, you get pregnant and then you have a baby a month and a half later? What if that's how the body works? It's just a quick boom. Grows quickly. It's like it's just like a growing tumor. Just like get out of here, kid. Sliding home. The kid just slides home. He stole third. Ah shit already. Damn. Can we at least finish uh a whole playoffs in the NBA? Can we at least finish the first two rounds of the playoff before I put it in yet and it comes out? Um <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna start uh Getting back to at least three a week. That's my goal. I know I've only been putting out two a week for the audio people that actually listen to this pretty consistently. I'm going to try to get back on the ball. Uh, three or four, but work and stuff. I'm trying to. Combination of staying current, all that shit. And, but hey. And, oh yeah. Guests will be coming whenever they want to stop being uh, frosty and flaky. Because they're more than good. They fucking hate me. Alright guys. Have a great day. Whenever this is posted. Probably Wednesday. Uh, You make me believe.